Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And if this is the first time that you're joining, welcome. So on today's episode, I am joined by Michael R. Shea. He's an outdoor writer and the author of this new book, Rimfire Revolution, A Complete Guide to Modern 22 Rifles. We talked to the Total Archery Challenge uh, about a month ago about getting into writing in the hunting industry how squirrel hunting shaped his hunting today, how practicing with a 22 relates to big game hunting, whitetails, and what it's like working for Black Rifle Coffee Company. This episode is brought to you by Onyx. The Onyx Hunt app is your premier GPS hunting app that turns your phone into a working GPS. This time of year, I am scouring the maps on the desktop version of the app to look for areas to scout during the spring, as well as potential hunting locations for my annual western hunt. The new 3D feature makes it convenient to look for hidden benches and understand the lay of the land. If you want to check out the Onyx Hunt app for yourself, head over to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW to save 20%. Tethered is a company that is founded on the principles of educating the hunting community on saddle hunting while creating the most innovative, lightweight, safe products for saddle hunting. I'm currently using the Phantom Saddle System with the Predator platform for all my mobile hunts. I just added the lighter weight, smaller 8mm ropes to, to my tackle and just continuing kind of tweaking my system this summer. To learn more about tethered and saddle hunting, head over to tetherednation.com. Maven is building the highest quality optics at half of the price of their competitors through their direct-to-consumer business model. And they just basically want to create the best optics for the job, period. Their products are back with a lifetime, no-fault warranty, and an incredible customer experience. Maven just released their new RS5 4-24x50mm single focal plane rifle scope. That's built for those that require the precision of the long-range dialing with the fine reticle benefits of a second focal plane. If you use the coupon code EASTMEETSWEST-GIFT, you'll get a free gift with any full price optics order at mavenbuilt.com. And last but not least, Spartan Forge. Hunters require an accurate forecast for the best hunting days and the best hunting spots to save time on scouting and actually executing the hunts. The Spartan Forge Outfitter utilizes years of military background and machine learning to pull from millions of data points to accurately predict deer movement, including GPS data, 30 years of weather, academic, and state research. They're using science rather than someone's opinion to figure out the movement for your area. You can use the code East Meets West to save 25% off of the outfitter at SpartanForge.ai. And as I've been kind of alluding to here for a little while, the app is in process. It's being tested and should release here later this summer. So stay tuned for that. And you might want to grab it now to save some money so you're locked in uh, before the app releases. For this week's Mountain Buck Story of the Week, the story comes from Justin Crosley. So I have the, the picture shared over on social media for the weekly Mountain Buck Monday post. 
And this thing is a true Pennsylvania giant. So I can't believe I missed this story. Justin sent this to me um, almost a year ago. And somehow I lost it in my list and just came upon it again. So I apologize, Justin, if you're listening to this. I uh, I just completely missed be- posting this up. So anyways, the story goes, I chose to take a day and speed scout some points and saddles in a new area of the Big Woods in PA. The next weekend, I headed into where I found the best sign, but I got in a little later than I'd wanted to, and it cost me an opportunity at a big deer. He came in while I was pulling up the bow, and I had no chance. After I gathered my composure, I had another nice buck sneaking behind me, and he got my wind. After blowing 20-plus times, he trotted off. Knowing that a deer blowing does not mean the end of the world, I hit the antlers together for a short sequence. Ten minutes later, and I had two does come by at 30 yards. Then behind them, I saw a giant beam sticking out from behind a tree. The buck followed the does and I let the arrow fly. I saw the hit and it looked like it was a liver hit, so I just backed out. After six and a half hours, I headed in with help from my stepdad and best friend. We tracked the buck for 500 yards before he even slowed down to a walk. 50 yards later, we found him lying in his first and only bed. The biggest buck of my life, a true public land giant. And he's not he's not lying when he says it's a true public land giant. This thing is incredible. I think there's some lessons that can be learned from the story as well is, you know, how, how it went 500 yards without slowing down and then ended up finding it, you know, only 50 yards later from that. And it's first and only bed, you know, it, whenever, I mean, if you're a bow hunter or any hunter, really at some point you're going to have, a a less than ideal hit and just not giving up on it and truly giving it every chance possible uh, to be able to find that animal is extremely important to me. And I, I think it should be for everybody. So hats off to, to Justin for, you know, just keeping after it and able to, to recover this, this giant whitetail. So head over on East meets West hunt on Instagram and East meets West outdoors on Facebook and check out this deer. It's uh it's pretty incredible and, and a great story to go along with it. And the only news I got this week is the final mountain buck scouting video series video is releasing on my youtube channel this wednesday so it's the final one of this year as far as the long uh drawn out series so these i'll be releasing a bunch of other shorter videos as we go out throughout the year but this is fully encompassing the series was designed to lay it all out there and kind of go through um, some of my strategies throughout the different parts of the year. And this last video has to do with late season hunting. And so I dive completely into showing you how I e-scout for it, what I'm looking for, what I'm doing when I put boots on the ground, what are the key things to, to focus on this time of year, and how to set up. And I'm showing that um, through that. And this, this series, the, the last four videos, at least were all focused around one specific area that I'd e-scouted and went in and took a look at. So, and just disclosure, the map that I use in the video is not the map that, and, and same with, uh, the drone footage. I, I pick different areas so that they don't get blown out. And I don't want anybody heading into these areas in case they are somebody's, um, just thinking that, you know, all this good deer signs in there. So I try to try to keep things under wraps, um, 
for my own personal reasons and I don't want to blow out anybody else's thing. So anything I use are examples that look very, very similar to a situation where, where I actually go in. So just wanted to put that out there. But the entire series is around one location showing how one end scouted it and was able to find hunting locations for every part of the deer season. So my YouTube channel is just my name, Bo Martonic, and uh, go check that out. All right, let's uh, jump into this episode with Michael Shea. His book is now available over on Amazon at the time of recording this. It wasn't out just yet, um, but I got a link here in the show notes if you want to go take a look at it. So anyways, I hope everyone has a great week and we'll talk to you soon. All right, we're live. Michael R. Shea, how you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Yeah, it's good to good to have you here. We're sitting in the Yeti tent, kind of staying out of the heat a little bit at the Total Archery Challenge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a hot day. Yeah, it really is. And um, so you work for Black Rifle Coffee Company, correct? Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, new job for me. I started uh, about a year ago, but my background is outdoor writing and video work. I've been with field and stream for a long time i'm still an editor at large over there i've done a lot of work for uh gun digest outdoor life peterson's hunting ducks unlimited so I've yeah been freelancer about 10 years before i got this gig with black rifle really so how did you get into writing oh man um like honestly like as like a kid like in high school it was about the only thing i could do that was better than other people <laughs> you know <it> was, like, <laughs> yeah. the only thing i i, I excelled at and um I started off as a newspaper reporter. I went to college. I worked for a college newspaper, and then I was doing, like, mainstream journalism. I worked at a small newspaper in South Carolina and then um, California, and I started hunting in California. I was in my early 20s, so I didn't grow up hunting. Oh, okay. Um, And, man, I was hooked. And I newspapers were kind of falling apart like craigslist was cannibalizing the internet was ruining them there's no local newspapers anymore and that was starting um no good ones and i went to grad school in new york and i was writing all these like little stories in this writing class on like duck hunting and my buddy walked in and he's like outdoor life is looking for an intern you'd be perfect and so like i wrote them a letter and i was like I'd be perfect. And they wrote me back and were like, you're perfect. (laughs) And so literally it started like a 10 year relationship with, um, outdoor life and field and stream, same company owned both titles. And, um, I eventually moved more onto kind of the field and stream side. I was a staffer there for a little while and then, uh, ended up leaving that, but was still contracting a bunch of work for them and then started freelancing for like Peterson's and DU and all those places. Nice. So you've been doing that full time then for this whole freelancing for the last 10 years until you came to Black Rifle? Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. Black Rifle was my first like W2 income in, yeah, 10 years, nine and a a half years. That's crazy. Yeah, man. So how, how has it been building that? So the Free Range American, that's the, the blog. Is that, is that the way you put it? Yeah, Yeah. 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 So we, so basically like why, how they found me and what they wanted to is, you know, Black Rifle Coffee, it comes out of the special operations community, the veteran community, the military community. All these guys are home now. They're businessmen, they're roasting coffee, but just like me and you, 
all their free time, all their free money is getting wrapped up in doing outdoor stuff, right? Yep. Every, the whole company, people hunt, fish, bow hunt, we sponsor tack, we come and we shoot tacks. And so they wanted to basically spin up like an outdoor media brand. And we have a, a military news website, Coffee or Die, that's super successful. And they were like, you know, let's do a let's do a hunting and fishing version of this. So they were looking for an outdoor editor to basically help get that project off the ground, which became Free Range American. And we're brand new. We it just launched in October, but we've done some pretty rad trips and stories and like we have some great writers working for us. So Yeah, I saw um my buddy Todd Bumgardner wrote something for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so Todd, um, reached out to me just it was like i think a random like instagram kind of connection and he's a fitness guy and like it's really hard as an editor to find high quality fitness writers because it's so um like unless you're in the fitness world like talking about how to do a routine the way they whiteboard stuff it's just like it's a really complicated world and um so i'm always looking for fitness writers i guess and he reached out and I was like yeah man we'll give you a try and I really didn't think much of it because a lot of people reach out and I give a lot of people tries but man he panned out like he's yeah. he's got he's taking good photos he's got good ideas it's like super clear stuff so I'm really I'm bullish on Todd right now Todd is awesome he's he trains me now so awesome. um he I don't know if he reached out to me or I reached out to him we have a mutual friend Matt comment who's a incredible big game hunter and um and matt talked me about todd and i've been so i started following him and everything and i'm like i like his philosophy on things and i think he reached out to me about something i was like hey i want to have you on the podcast and because what you're talking about is different than anything else i've been seeing and he put breaks it down in such a way and he's like i want to train you for your mule deer hunt and i was like Hell yeah, that would be awesome. And he's been, I just was on the phone with him yesterday for 45 minutes talking about some business things. And he's awesome. just an incredible human. He's just all around good yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he just did like, like he did an article for us recently on like staying consistent, right? Yeah. Because like a lot of us, like me included, you know, like I am not in the shape. I got two little kids. I'm not in the shape that I was five years ago before I had kids, you know? And so getting back on the horse, getting started, you know, how do you, how do you bring back, like, like I used to run marathons. Like, I don't know, I'd suck out at a 5k right now. Right. Yeah. And so like, how do you get back on the horse? And so he wrote this thing about staying consistent and kind of how to do that. Yeah. And, um, and it was great because it was just full of like tips, like where's, where's the, where's the weakness? What do you do? So like one of them, get a coach. You know, another one was like, um, have like a minimum plan. Like every day I'm going to do 50 push-ups and 50 sit-ups, no matter what, no matter how the day goes. Yep. And so like, he's, he's seeing he, the problem we all know, cause everybody's, I think fitness kind of ups and wanes, you get into it for a while and then it slows down and whatnot. And he kind of just approached that as like, here are like four, like really basic solutions to fight that. Which is what I mean when I'm saying like finding a good fitness writer, like yeah. a guy who thinks about it in those terms and doesn't want to just tell you how to do a better squat. Yeah. Like that's fucking valuable. Yeah, oh my god, yeah. Like and yeah, he he was able to break things down in a way for me, like and I'm like, you know, or like when I was traveling, I got I I just got back from seeing my girlfriend 
I got back at four in the morning on Wednesday and had to go to work at six. And I was like, I was like, Hey man, I'm going to have to try to get my workout in after work. Normally I do it beforehand. He's like, no, you need to rest. He's like, you need to rest today. Tomorrow we're going to get you back into it slowly. And he like, he thinks about it in a way that's manageable for people that are busy and doing stuff. But like, you know, it's not overbearing, you know, if you're not, you know, dying, you're not working out and like, he gives it to you in a, a really cool way. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I did a, I did a fitness seminar. Um, I actually wrote about it on FRA, Jim Jones. I don't know if you're familiar with that. No. It's like, it's almost like CrossFit on um like like high octane crossfit is kind of the best way to describe it they'd probably not like me comparing it to crossfit but yeah. it's um it's it's a it's a, it's a, it's a high intensity it's type high stuff. it's high intensity type stuff but it's um it's more attitude you know and at that at that um uh at that seminar one of the things they kept talking about was sleep and recovery and they said if you like as a man if you sleep for nine solid hours a night in a fully blacked out room, your testosterone will raise by 50%. 50%. Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've become good buddies. I was actually just bear hunting with the instructor at that, Curtis. He takes photos for us. And I've heard him say it like three or four times since then. Like sleep is paramount. Ah, oh, man. I need, I need to get so much better. Sleep is my absolute worst yeah. thing. I was, for a while there, I was doing between four to five hours a night and then this year i made it a goal to try to get to seven and i've been getting about six six and a half consistently but i still need to improve on that because i realize even though i'm staying up later to work on stuff i'm not efficient yeah. like i can't think you know yeah. as good and like throughout the day like if you get more sleep you're better in that time frame yeah. that you have yeah absolutely so. it makes it makes you like you said more efficient in the time you have yeah one of the things that i did to try to hack that is I get up super early. So, like, I set my alarm at 4 a.m. Yep. and get up and get after it just because the if I have, like, three hours of downtime and it starts at 8 o'clock at night, I fucking watch Netflix or, like, bullshit with my wife or whatnot, which is great. It's good yeah. to spend time with your wife. Yeah. But if I have three hours in the first thing in the morning, I'm either writing or editing video or running or lifting it's like it's a way to make more productive time yeah. because it's early so. yeah no i I'm a, I'm a morning person too my my alarm set it's at well 418 is my time i oh, always awesome. joke i have this weird like thing where i have to have a, like yeah. not an even number not a, a regular number you know it's just yeah random but i i have it down 418 i get up and i go work out and then i shower and i go to work and that gets me set you know yeah yeah and get me going because otherwise i've realized if i try to work out in the evening i can make excuses or i'm tired if you have a long day at work and you're mentally drained it's so much harder yeah and it's nicer to like have that stuff accomplished by dinner time yeah and then dinner and then you can actually do all those nice things yeah. and not feel like i gotta go grind still yeah, you know. totally. So you're a gun nut. How did you kind of get into that? Oh, man. Um, yeah, I just, um, I think we were just talking about it. I just wrote a book. It's coming out soon or will be out on 22 rifles, rimfire rifles. Yeah. And uh, I always feel like an evangelist or like a power dork talking about this. But, man, it is a rad world. Like if you like accuracy and precision, like they, they are... 
it's just, it's just a neat world. So like my, I got into hunting, right? Like hunting is kind of what brought me into archery to everything. And even still, like if I do big game hunts, like I say probably 80% of my traveling hunts are bow hunts, right? But I started small game hunting with uh, my buddy down south and we started shooting squirrels. And so the way they hunt them down there is they use scoped rimfire rifles and you're getting up early, you're scouting patterns, so you know the, tri- the, the squirrels are hitting, say, pig nut trees. You know where there's a grove of them. So we're going in these huge blocks of public land, setting up and waiting them out. And then these squirrels would pop out at 40, 50, 80 yards, and then you're shooting them in the head with a, with a 17 or a 22. And it's like, it, it's so fun. Like, I can't, I can't describe how um, rad those trips are. And it's almost like, it, it's a lot like still hunting for deer. And I can see how, like, back in the day, like, you'd always start a kid squirrel hunting to work them into deer yeah. hunting. It's, it's just like you're moving through the woods like you're, like you're still hunting deer. Got to be quiet. Got to be camoed up. Get set. Listen for them. And then make these shots. And so once I started doing that, I said, well, I need a better rifle. And I got into some of these German rifles. I got an Anschutz. And I got what was called a 17 Mach 2, which I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's a 22 long rifle, but it's neck down to a 17. And I wrote the story in Field Stream on this squirrel hunter who used this kind of rifle. And I got on Gumbroker right afterwards. I found one. And I was like, oh, it's bye. Yeah. You know? And so I got this German rifle. And I'm going to set it up. And I put the target at 25 yards because I didn't really know that it could it could be as accurate as it was further. And I shot, and it was high on the target. And then I scoped it down, shot again, and 10-ringed it, 25 yards, right right in the X, 10-ring. Cycled, shot again, and I, I was like, I, I missed. Cycled, shot again, shot three more, shot my five. I was like, what the, I was like, the scope's loose, or something, the rings are loose, or something. And when I walked up 25 yards to the target, those four shots were the same hole. I mean, like, the rim of a twenty-two would not fall through the paper. It was that tight. And it was, dude, like, mind-blown. Like, <laughs> I didn't think you could do this with rifles, yeah. you know? And uh, it just opened this door for me. And, like, being an outdoor writer, like, I'd, you know, done some stuff with hunting rifles and handgun stuff and whatnot. But that the accuracy and precision that you get with these rim fires, like, I just... I just fell down the rabbit hole, man. I started. I wrote a ton about them for Field and Stream, ton about them for Gun Digest, and then it just kind of felt like late last year, like writing a book of like the complete guide to these things was. Um, it just felt like a natural move. So, like when, when I grew up, so I grew up in a hunting family, and like I remember, I'd go over to my my grandpa's house, and me and my brother, he'd give us, he started us off with bb guns and you know then we eventually moved up to 22s and and that's what he'd send us out hunting squirrels and that's what we had to do so i like that was what we would do all day like just posting up you know one's coming out we're you know watching it and kind of slipping through and trying to make those precision shots and i i love one that was fun like growing yeah. up as a kid that was amazing and and two like you like you said it's crossed over to so much like with deer and still hunting and and learning about being silent and doing all that different stuff and i it's funny i think you would get along so well with my brother so my brother he's a veteran who is a um a gunsmith now oh and he works for c sharps 
Up, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he he just started working for them last October. Awesome. And um, he is just he builds a bunch of different rifles, and even in, at his house, he's got it all set up, and he does he geeks out on that awesome. stuff. Yeah. He he's. Uh, a gun fan. I've always been like a bow guy, and he's always been like he's never bow hunted. He's just all been about guns. He loves old rifles, and he take when he goes on hunts. He's always taking these old rifles that he's modified and done all this stuff. Yeah, and absolutely loves it. So. Yeah, and the, and man, like I, it seems like a lot of guys go one way or the other. But I really like we're here at a total archery challenge. Like, yeah, I like bow hunting whitetails or bow hunting out west like that's i live for that but shooting rifles and like shooting like i i do run a match an nrl 22 match and like precision shooting competing um i'm wild about it like it's the um but it hasn't really fully translated to like me planning big like rifle trips out west yet i'm still just not there i very much look at it like one is shooting and the other's hunting yeah you know well, I, I learned a little a little bit about it last year because I haven't I haven't rifle hunted in quite a few years. Not because I didn't like it or anything. I just I love bow hunting so much. And normally I would fill my tag before rifle season. Pennsylvania would come along, and then when I go out west, I would just do bow hunting trips. Well, the last year I didn't I didn't fill my tag, and I went to Alaska and I decided to take a rifle, and I got into that kind of game and. Um, one of my best friends, he's in the the SEAL teams, and he was trying to help me learn how to shoot long range and stuff. And he, and I didn't have a whole lot of time. And he's just like, he kind of shook his head at me. He's just like, you got this awesome rifle, and you're and you could shoot so far with that. And I'm, you know, and I wasn't shooting that far with it. But um, yeah. it, it was just funny. But I l- learned that like the the rifle, the precision rifle community and stuff is so similar to bow hunters. Hundred like, percent, man. Yeah. It, it is so so similar, and that was something that I didn't understand the parallels before. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Like you go to a big um, NRL match, and it has the same vibe as TAC, you know. And it's yeah. the same like guys working on bows, guys working on rifles, swapping gear, you know, discussing what's working, what isn't. Um, yep, yep, yep. Definitely. So, how did that? All right. So, you know, in your your book and everything, and you were talking to me a little bit before about how that kind of tran how's that translated to you being a better long range shooter with higher calibers yeah 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 so that was so so that was first off like never really my intention like yeah. i really looked at it as like one uh way to small game hunt in august where things are usually typically pretty slow and and september and then the fun of shooting these matches. So I started a local NRL 22 match. We get about a dozen guys a month. We do it through the summer. And you're engaging targets um, at our place to 200 yards. And so like a typical course of fire is, is 10 rounds and you're shooting off a barricade or prone or, you know, there's always three barricade stages and then two prone stages. And you might have to engage a target at... 20 yard, 25 yards, 50 yards, 75 yards, and 100, and like one, two, three, four, then back down the ladder. And so you're jumping distances, right? You're shooting hard left, and then you're turning on your course of fire and shooting like a hard right, you know? And you're doing this all very quickly on a clock. So you have to learn how to use the reticle in your scope. You have to learn like what your drops are at these different ranges. And then you have to 
manipulate the rifle. So everything from like trigger control to like, how's it, how are you, how's your prone position, you know, breathing, like all the fundamental basics. And so start doing this match and then shooting a lot of it, um, you just naturally become a better rifle shot. And so I don't, I, because I live in New York, um, I don't have a lot of places where I can shoot like a thousand yards, but now with this job, that's changed a lot. So like I was just in Texas at the FTW ranch and we did the dangerous game course prior to some of the guys going to Kodiak to, to bear hunt. And, um, we did like basically like a PRS match and it was a six, five Creedmoor. I was on a borrowed rifle, factory ammo targets out to 800 yards. And it was the same game, 200 to 400 to 800 and shooting left and shooting right and off a barricade and kneeling and standing silhouette style and you know like i mean i don't want to sound cocky but i ran shop and (laughs) i think the reason was i literally did the same thing the day before my match was on a sunday morning sunday evening i got on a plane and monday i was shooting center fire and it's all the same skills it's all completely it completely translates and so like another another example of that is like greg hamilton and sean murphy i don't know if you know those guys no they um they're they're endurance sniper uh competitors uh greg works for proof sean works for night force it's a team event one guy has a bolt gun one guy has a gas gun and it's like an endurance event so they might hike 30 miles and engage 100 targets camp out in the woods and engage 100 targets in the mountains really i've back. never heard of that before that's cool yeah yeah mammoth mountain is the the mammoth sniper match is kind of the big one um but these guys are the best like they win it every single year yeah and greg who's in the book and i write up a lot about this um he's become a good buddy uh all his training for that, for that like elite level center fire precision shooting, is at 50 yards with a voodoo shooting CCI standard. All of his training, because you can get a know your limits rack, which has a like a, a one inch target down to a quarter inch target. You put he puts that at 50 yards, and then he shoots standing up. And you hit the one, and you ring it, and you hit the three quarters, and you ring it, and eventually you get to that quarter inch, and you find a weakness because you can't hit the quarter inch standing unsupported. And so he knows what to train, and you train that, and you drill that. Then you build some barricades, and you can practice off a tank trap, practice prone. If you're a hunter, practice sitting, practice kneeling. And it's all at 50 yards. It's all with ammo that you, that's affordable now if you can find it, yeah. you know, is the, is the rub. But... Um, and you can shoot 200 rounds after work, you know what I mean? Like off your back deck if you live in the country. Yep. And so, and that's all things that translates to when you're sitting in the field looking at an animal or if you're in a match and have to shoot unsupported, it's the same body mechanics. It's the same trigger pull. The only real difference is there's the recoil has to be mitigated a little differently. Yeah. But now with like heavy rifles, like... A six five or six millimeter Creedmoor, like yeah, the recoil. It like, and I, I noticed like my bad. my Brigera that I Brigara that I have, um, you know, with the ported barrel on it. You don't feel the recoil. You three hundred Win Mag, and I was like, yeah, I was like, wh- like I was ready. My shoulder be rocked, and it was not like that at all. Other than it being like a fucking cannon, how loud it was. But yeah, like, yeah, it uh, yeah. it is pretty is pretty crazy. Yeah, and you know, and what what you were saying there. I, 
for especially the guys in the east you know whether it's playing western hunts or even hunting whitetails in the appalachian mountains like being able to get that practice in without having to spend all that money on the ammo for your gun and trying to go to a range and do all that stuff like i don't know i live in the country i could shoot off my back porch i could shoot in my yard i could do whatever and being able to to do that with you know a rimfire rifle is would completely change the game be able to keep you consistent with your practice yeah and so like and in the in the book i go through like all the different rifles and options yeah like i have some voodoos that cost more than my car and then i have some like a tika yeah is a rad the bagara is a rad gun you can get them for like 600 bucks 700 bucks and then you can get a know your limits rack for like maybe one i think i got mine for 139 shipped to my house and then you can get cci ammo at walmart when they have What's it a no it's limits a, rack again can you explain that? so so a know your limits a know your limits rack is a swinging rack so it's on it's like two almost like tripods with a bar on it okay and then there's a one inch spinner that hangs or two inch and then it goes progressively smaller so you have multiple spinners uh, on the same rack okay right and so the idea is you learn your limit right so let's say we're shooting prone at 50 yards of the 22, two inch all day long, you're spinning that thing. So you go to one inch, good rifle, good shooter, all day long. Go to half inch, yeah, like I'll spin that sucker all day long at 50 yards if I'm prone with my good stuff. You get into a quarter inch, you get into an eighth inch, which is just a stick of a target, like you're shooting at something like a few match sticks wide, all of a sudden it gets spicy, you know? Yeah. And then you can, and you can, pra- you can find your limit for whatever that body position is, whatever you're shooting, and then just train it and drill it. And yeah. you'll you'll see progress as you get smaller and smaller. But you can but you can do that, I guess my, where I was going with that with like what get it with like a Tika or Bagara or CCI and inexpensive target. You could be into a training kit like that for less than a thousand bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like buying a custom 300 wind mag. It's yeah. not like, you, you know, so it's like, it's it's still expensive. Like, a thousand bucks is a lot of money for me or for anybody. But if I'm going on a late season elk hunt of a lifetime, like, I want to be dialed. Yeah. And I don't want to see a critter at 500 yards and wonder if I can make the shot. Yeah. No, and that's, I, I know, like, when I went up to Alaska, you know, that's like a you know, a dream hunt for me. All I want to do is go to Alaska ever since I was a kid and I got to go and, and I, I, I missed a caribou at four fifty, I think it was. Yep. And I was like, man, I really, it ended up working out where I shot one at two fifty, but I would have really been, I was down on myself about it being like, I didn't practice enough. I didn't have, you know, my shit aligned to be able to do that. And yeah. And, you don't want that to happen. You don't want that to be the case. Like, and, and yes, if you're doing something like that, spending, you know, up to a thousand dollars, if you really want it bad enough, you'll, you'll figure yeah. it out and make it happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you can do it for less than that. Yeah. I had, um, the one that kind of haunts me and sort of led me into this was, this was like, it was a six, maybe eight years ago. I did a rifle hunt in Colorado for third season and it was a, it was a shit show. And then finally on the last day, I got in on him, and I found a bull, a six-by-six, public land bull, full bedded down. He was facing me, fully bedded down, and I ranged him. I had a seven-millimeter seven rem mag, and I ranged him, and it was 427 yards. 
and I'd never shot that rifle past 200 yards. And the guy was like, shoot him, go for it, shoot him. And my other, another guy on the trip winged an animal and we didn't recover it. And I'm like, I'm super conservative on shots. I'm into the shooting. I'm not a long range hunter though. I want to get close to the critters. That bow hunter stuff takes over when it gets into killing critters. And I was like, no dude, it's too far. And he's like, oh, you sure that? I was like, no, he's too far. Let's try to go in. I tried to move in on him and I busted him. Now, like having gone through all that stuff we just talked about, yeah. like a bull elk at 420 yards with a with a rem mag, seven millimeter, yeah. dude, I'm taking that shot all day long. You know, <laughs> it's because because the, the training's in, the time is in. Yeah, you know? and like literally 95 percent of that has been with a 22. <laughs> you know, that's crazy. I and I love it because it's such an approachable way of doing it you know we were talking earlier about todd and his you know approachable way to fitness that's an approachable way for the regular guy that wants to to go out west or whatever it might be and be dialed yeah 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 and who doesn't have a 22 in their safe i know everybody does everybody yeah 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 you don't even need a new gun you just need to have one you're com- you're comfortable in that can now shoot well at 50 <laughs> yards. Yeah, now you need ammo. Yeah, now you need yeah. ammo. That's a little bit of a barrier, but uh, yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I follow some of these room fire groups on Facebook, and occasionally there'll be a post, and he's like, yeah, I'm in uh, East Chapeepee, Arkansas, and the Walmart has CCI. And the guy's <laughs> like, posts a picture of a shelf, you know? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> updates on, uh, Where guys get so excited when they see it. You that's know? hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that that is funny. Um, so, like, you were saying that you know most of the time you bow hunt, though, right? Mm-hmm. And so, what what's your favorite animal to bow hunt? First of all, do you have one, or is it like a favorite hunt or style of hunting? I really like chasing whitetails at home. Do you? You know, I really do. Yeah, and we don't have um, we don't have giant deer. Um, I killed my best one last year for New York. I'll show them to you when we get out. Of, get, yeah, get off here. Um, but I just I I like building the mouse trap. You know, like I like setting up cameras and looking at fields and thinking they're gonna come out here. And you know, I just like it's it's like not a impressive story to hardcore whitetail hunters but like the best example for that to me is like we bought a house we moved out of the city and moved into the country we were walking through the property and we and we have like 40 acres and um yeah people are doing push-ups in front of us yeah i know we got les and dana doing their their hourly 10 push-ups and 10 squats that they're doing so since they don't have time to work out during the day although i saw wes all sweaty coming off the mountain earlier yeah, that's impressive. I'm uh, I'm feeling pretty lazy here. Yeah, we'll let we'll let them do it. <laughs> Wes and I did some. It was it's kind of slightly gay, but we were holding hands when we were doing it earlier. Yeah, together. not not slightly. That's super gay. That's full. <laughs> full gay. That's full gay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it that's, is. <laughs> no judgment. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so I guess, like, what I like about whitetails, right? So, like, we moved to the city. We bought, like, we got 40 acres. It's not great deer country, but, like, I got enough ground to hunt them. And we were, like, walking. I was walking through the property, and there was, like, this hawthorn, and there's kind of an edge where the pines go into hawthorn, which go into a field. And there was this um, hemlock. And I was like, I'm going to put a stand right there. Yeah. And then we left, and two months later, we bought the house and everything, and we moved in in September. So I, like 
ran out, put a fucking millennium in that hemlock stand. Yeah. And, like, opening day of the season I walked in, I got in that stand, and it was just like a doe patrol. Like, I don't even know, six, eight deer all in bow range just walked under me, you know? And so, like, walking into a landscape or a new farm, yeah. big woods, and being like, I think this is what's going to happen. And then when it happens, oh, it's you got deer under feeling. you, dude, nothing better. Oh, like, yeah, and I, I really at some point want to own enough property. Like, I, I talk a lot about big wood stuff, but I want to own a property that's just big enough that I can kind of build it, you know, to my own and get to learn it and do it. Like, that fascinates me yeah. when people do that. And, and even, like, in the big woods, like you're saying, that's why I love scouting so much because I love walking around and visualizing what yes. could happen and going through all these scenarios and then when you're actually in that tree in october november and something happens like what you visualize it's like it's there's no better feeling there's nothing yeah 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 you almost don't need to shoot them yeah you know like yeah you just can i can just watch does walk in if i'm like especially on a new spot it's yeah. like i got this you know but then of course I get wrapped up and like I'll get a big deer on camera and I'm like okay that's the one and then it like ruins my fall. Yeah, <laughs> man, I I struggle with that so much. I've talked about it on this podcast before, but like I I remember I got obsessed over this deer and I spent like four years and I had one shot and I actually hit him low. I misjudged the yardage. He lived. And I just cut him just underneath the armpit mm-hmm. and. It like I almost made hunting not fun because I was so like intensely focused on this deer. Then I went a couple years of like trying not to focus on any specific deer and just hunting that you know moment. Now I'm back on the other side of it. You know, get one giant on camera and I'm like, man, I'm all in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) But it's all it's fun. It's just uh, it's funny how it shifts and yeah, you know, I I completely have it goes like year to year. Yeah, like I. We, we have good deer numbers where I am, so, like, I'll have a year where it's, like, it's just doe patrol. I'm going to just swat does and punch all my tags and bring friends in and, like, just have fun. And if something happens during the rut, it happens. And then occasionally I'll get an early, if I get an early picture of a good deer, it's like, okay, I'm going to chill out on the does this year. But it's very, like, ebb and flow. And I really let, like... What what is one? What is my? I travel a lot, so like one, like what does my fall schedule look like? Two, like what's on camera? Three, like the Isaacs who work at Black Rifle Coffee, they haven't killed whitetails, like they are so hungry to come hunt with me. Yeah. So like this year, no matter what shows up on camera, we're gonna just kill the hell out of does opening week. Yeah. I'm gonna just bring them down, and you know we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna send it you know yeah i'm not gonna i'm gonna avoid getting wrapped up in antlers for at least you know the early part of the season it's it's funny i was talking to isaac earlier so i just met him here today and he was like he told me that he's like east to me is anything east of colorado he's like i kind of stayed in my zone you know out here and love chasing mule deer and everything else and and i'm I'm gonna get him on the podcast and talk to him a little bit about that too but that's he's fun. um he's he's killed a couple like really big mule deer and he's put a lot of people on them too like he really knows utah his nickname out there's mule deer jesus really yeah 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 so get him talking about that he's got freaking awesome stories yeah that's yeah, i just yeah, want yeah. to listen to some of those stories he was showing me some photos and i was blown away by some of those deer he's killing yeah 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 he's a good dude and junior's awesome junior has kind of become like he hasn't kind of, he is like the house bow technician for Black Rifle Coffee. So like, it's such a, it's what such a, a dream cool position for a younger 
And dude, yeah. it's such a cool company. Like yeah. they're literally, we have a deal with PSC and they're bringing in bows for employees. And like, if you're into this and want to get after it, like they're, they got a, like 30 embarks in. And I think just like giving them to employees, I, Isaacs are setting them up with bows. We're bringing people out. We've, there's half a dozen, um, uh, there's like half a dozen employees who'd never hunted before. And so like we spun up with some, with Baker, the guy you met, this yep. hunter recruitment project. I brought a new bow hunter out to my place. So like just in the last year since I've been there, I'll bet there's like a dozen Black Rifle Coffee empl- employees who not only got into hunting, got into bow hunting, but killed their first animal with any implement, you know? Oh, it's just so, so much a part awesome. of the culture of the company. Man. Yeah. It's rad to see. And that's one of the reasons why that i've been supporting from the been purchasing black rifle for so long when i remember when i first saw the company or first heard about them i was like this is awesome i love the the veteran side of it and then i've seen what they've done just for everything else and yeah and given one of my good buddy jeff uh ls from jack gear five thousand oh, yeah. dollar check yesterday for what he's doing for veterans with his company i'm like black rifle is just seems like one of the best companies and just like overall i just admire that and and it's just again that's why i've been haven't been part of the coffee club and getting coffee delivered yeah, to my door yeah, yeah. That's for, awesome, for so long and and you know supporting that brand it's pretty awesome you get to get to work for them yeah yeah i feel i i feel grateful man yeah and like and like even on the inside like i have all those same feels for it you know like the way the you know, I would the the mission of the company is more to help people, help veterans, and get people outside as it is like make and sell coffee. Yeah. You know, like we just had an all hands meeting with Evan, and like that was the takeaway. It wasn't like how can we increase output or what is efficiency or you know anything like that. It was like what are we what are we doing to help people? Yeah. You know, and uh, it's just neat. It's it's totally neat to be a part of. Yeah, that's that's so cool. I mean, in, in the brand, in the coffee, it's, it's selling itself at this point. Yeah, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, like yeah, it's, totally. And it, it's cool to see them focusing on those those other things that are yeah. with it, not just you know how much can we produce, how can we you know yeah. make make that better. But and that's the thing too. Like like we have, um, I think we have the product right. Because yeah. If you like coffee, like it's really good coffee, you know, and. I probably sound like a sales guy because I worked there, but honestly, when I got this job, I was surprised. I thought it was Vet Bros, and it was coffee with an AR on the bag, and it was, like, appealing to half the pub, half the voting public, and it was like, I'm still going to have to buy the local roast because I've always been a coffee guy. Yeah. I'm still going to have to buy the good stuff in town and, like, put it in that bag, and that's just not the case. Yeah. Like, the coffee's slamming. We got the ECS stuff, that the specialty blends that come out. Yeah. Like, Ram, like the Rambo one that's yeah, I saw that <laughs> yeah yeah i mean it's it's killer product so <laughs> just to have it all you know to like have the brand have the stuff the product works like yeah. we're, we're in a sweet spot man oh definitely no it's cool i love seeing the different different designs even shirt designs and stuff that come out in the videos just cracks me up like i just love watching it and, yeah, and, yeah. and seeing it just doing whatever they want not following any sort of guidelines or what a company should or shouldn't do just yeah just let it rip yeah just let, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly it <laughs> yeah, full yeah. bore yeah but totally. 
Anyways, Michael, thanks for coming on. Uh, can you tell everybody where uh, they can find your book? Because when this is released, it'll be it'll be out. Yeah, man, it'll be out there. So it's uh, it's called Rimfire Revolution: uh, A Guide to Modern Precision 22s. Um, anywhere books are sold, GunDigestStore.com is probably the best way to get it. But Amazon, everywhere else, you know, it's on Kindle, like audiobook, like the whole oh audiobook and yep. too cool. Yeah. Did you did you record it? I did not. Or did you have somebody else do it? I actually I don't know if the audiobook's coming out with the print release. That might be staggered a little bit. Okay. But, but we're definitely going to do it because I don't know about you. I listen to books on phone. Yeah. When I'm driving. Do, yeah. All the time. That's where I do most. I'd say probably about eighty percent of my books. There's some I I will read the actual print, but most of them I do re- driving just because that's when I have the time and yeah. I can do it. So. Well, I gotta. I'm gonna send you a book and I'm gonna try to get you a know your limits rack. So you can put it in your yard in the country oh, where you can shoot, yeah. man. Start shooting a twenty two at I 50 will. yards off in goofy positions. I'll be sending you some videos. <laughs> Dude, your rifle game is going to like go through the roof. Oh, that'll like, be so much fun. Yeah, yeah. I already, I'm, as in my mind, I have a picture of where it would go and how I'd do it. It's, yeah, awesome. I can actually shoot out my bedroom window, so. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. Well, again, thank you for coming on. Really, really appreciate it, man. Well, now we got to go shoot pretty soon here yeah dude we got a knock time in a little bit here so let's go shoot bows awesome thanks buddy thanks so much for listening to this episode of east meets west hunt with your host bo martonic for more great content and to stay up to date visit eastmeetswesthunt.com facebook at east meets west outdoors and instagram at east meets west hunt if you enjoyed today's episode please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time